Welcome to the book club. I'm Mr. Gray, and I'm here with three of my students, and we're going to be talking about John Krakauer's Into Thin Air, tale about climbing Mount Everest. I'll have each of my three students introduce themselves and say something they love to do besides reading. Well, I'm Matthew, and I like baseball. I'm Miles, and I like to play video games. I'm Andrew, and I love soccer. And this was a really challenging book that the boys picked to read this week. We're going to be talking about it in just a second. But before we get to our discussion, we're going to have our celebrity reader read a section from this book. Who can tell me who our celebrity reader is this week and what they're going to be reading about? Well, um, the celebrity reader is my neighbor. She actually climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and she will be reading a segment of the second chapter. Awesome. So we're going to listen to that, and then when we come back, we'll discuss this book in more detail. Chapter 2. The actual particulars of the event are unclear, obscured by the accretion of myth. But the year was 1852, and the setting was the offices of the Great Trinometrial Survey of India in the Northern Hill Station of Dahar Dun. According to the most plausible version of what transpired. A clerk rushed into the chambers of Sir Andrew Wog, India's surveyor general, and exclaimed that a Bengali computer named Rad Rahanath Siddhar, working out of the surveyor's Calcutta Bureau, had discovered the highest mountain in the world. In Wog's day, a computer was a job description rather than a machine. Designated Peak 15 by surveyors in the field who'd first measure the angle of its rise with a 24-inch theodite three years earlier. The mountain in question jutted from the spine of the Himalaya in the forbidden kingdom of Nepal. Until Sikdars compiled the survey data and did the math, Nobody has suspected that there were anything noteworthy about Peak 15. The six survey sites from which the summit had been triangulated were in northern India, more than a hundred miles from the mountain. To the surveyors who shot it, all but the summit nub of Peak 15 was obscured by various high escarpment in the foreground several of which gave the illusion of being much greater in stature. But according to Sigdar, meticulous trigonomic, trigonomic reckoning, which took into account such factors as curvature of the earth, atmospheric refraction, and plumb lie deflection. Peak 15 stood 29,002 feet above sea level the planet's loftiest point. In 1865, nine years after Siddhar's computations had been confirmed, Wall bestowed the name Mount Everest on Peak 15. In honor of Sir George Everest, his predecessor as Surveyor General. As it happened, Tibetans who lived to the north of the Great Mountain already had a more Meliflu-fluous name for it, Jomolungama, which translates to goddess, 
mother of the world. And Nepalis who resided to the south reportedly call the peak Deva Dunga, Sea of God. But while pointedly chose to ignore these native appellations, as well as official policy encouraging the renditions of local or ancient names. And Everest was the name that stuck. Once Everest was determined to be the highest summit on earth, it was only a matter of time before people decided that Everest needed to be climbed. After the American explorer Robert Peary claimed to have reached the North Pole in 1909 and Ronald M. Amundsen led a Norwegian party to the South Pole in 1911. Everest, the so-called Third Pole, became the most coveted object in the realm of terrestrial exploration. Getting to the top proclaimed Gunther D. Oh, Gunther O. Dyrenfroth, an influential alpinist and chronicler of early Himalayan mountaineering, was a matter of universal human endeavor, a cause from which there is no withdrawal, whatever losses it may demand. Those losses, as it turned out, would not be insignificant. Following Siddhar's discovery in 1852, it would require the lives of 24 men, the efforts of 15 expedition, and the passage of 101 years before the summit of Everest would finally be attained. Among mountaineering and other connoisseurs of ge geologic form, Everest is not regarded as a particularly calmly peak. Its proportions are too chunky, too broad of beam, too crudely hewn. But what Everest lack in archaeological, architectural grace, it makes up for with sheer overwhelming mass. Dem dem demarcating the Nepal-Tibet border, Towering more than 1,200 feet above the valley of its base, Everest looms as a three-sided pyramid of gleaming ice and dark, serrated rock. The first eight expeditions to Everest were British, all of which attempted the mountain from the northern Tibetan side. Not so much because it presented the most obvious weak, weakness in the peak's formidable defenses, but rather because in 1921, the Tibetan government opened its long closed borders to foreigners, while Nepal remained resolutely off limits. The first Everesters were obl obliged to trek 400 arduous miles from Darjeeling across the Tibetan plateau simply to reach the foot of the mountain. Their knowledge of the deadly effects of extreme altitude was scant, and their equipment was pathetically inadequate by modern standards. Yet in 1924, a member of the third British expedition, Edward Felix Norton, 
reached an elevation of 28,126 feet. Welcome back. So that was the section from Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. And now we'll get into our discussion of the book. The first question that I have for you guys is not really about any specifics of the book, but what was it like to read such a challenging book? I know for most of you, this might be one of the hardest books that you've read in your life so far. So what was that experience like? Well, um, it was really hard and it took me a while to read. Um, it was, it was um, I'd say a little bit too advanced for us, but we luckily got through it, and um, yeah, it was a good book. Um, well, I thought it was a really hard book, but it can be very easy if you have someone else read the book for you instead of you reading the book. Nice. Yeah, listening to books is a great way to um, get through something that's a little bit more challenging. So also, I thought it was a pretty challenging book, and at the start, there were a few words that I didn't really understand. So then I Googled them, and then it made more sense. Nice. And, you know, this is the first time on our podcast that we're <coughs> discussing reviewing a nonfiction book. So what was it like for you guys to read something that was nonfiction? How did that change your experience of the book? Well, I learned a lot about Mount Everest, about, like, the tragedies that happened during, like, like about climbing it and, like, how hard it is. Like, I used to think, like, oh, you just climb it and you're there. But, no, there's, like, tons of, like, like you have to go through tons of stuff to get to the top. Yeah. So this book was originally a project that John Krakauer had to do uh, as part of an assignment for a magazine. And originally he was only going to climb up to base camp of Mount Everest. But tell me a little bit about the background for how John Krakauer got into climbing uh, to start with. Well, at the start he was gonna um, he was gonna record data for the Outdoors magazine. But then um, after he did that, he decided to write a uh, book about it, and then that's how he made the book. And what's his, what's his background in climbing? Um, well, he started pretty basic, and um, then he got advanced climbing Mount Everest and wrote a book about the tragedy that happened when he um, climbed. So there are... Other people in this book besides John Krakauer, so he's obviously the main climber and he's the author of this book, but we do meet other people along the way. Can each of you tell me uh, somebody else that we meet, maybe a little bit about what they're like or why they're important to the story? Um, well, there's someone called Beck. Now, Beck is a climber who also, he has a pretty difficult background with his family and all of that, those issues. Um, he is a daredevil, as you know, um, and he loves climbing. Also, um, Beck, but not to spoil, he gets saved while he's on the mountain um, because he has, like, severe frostbite, and then he has to get rescued. Yeah, I also like Beck a lot because she just shows, like, how brave she can be by, like, Oh, he, uh, um, by, um, like, uh, surviving through hard situations. Yeah, so um, a few of our listeners are asking, what made you choose this book? So um, Ashley especially and Luke, what made you choose this book? Do you guys have an interest in climbing or um, the outdoors? I chose this book because um, when I was little, I saw my brother reading this book, and I was like, what's that book? He was like, it's a book about Mount Everest. So it's always just had my attention uh, for a while. 
Um, well, I chose it because it sounded really exciting, and I had already seen the movie called Everest, which is a great movie. Um, yeah. Um, well, we also chose it because we um, none of us have read it, and we heard that it was a good book, so we wanted to try it out. Uh, Kira is wondering if Beck is the only other climber with John Krakauer, or you know, did it take a team of people to accomplish this? Um, it took a large amount of people. Um, there were many. Um, yeah, there were. It was a team of climbers, and they all climbed together. There were. There was like climbers from different areas. Like there was Netherlands team. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and there were many other country teams, and um, they all cl um, climbed as a group up to the mountain. They they also cl climbed with some of the Sherpas who like brought their oxygen tanks to the like base camp and higher and things like that. Uh, what was your favorite chapter in this book? Um, well, I especially liked uh, like chapter one because it gave you like kind of like a preview of what happens like kind of at the end of the book and like this it was like a good chapter because i told you like what's going on like the sneak peek. um well i like the third chapter chapter it's actually the starting of them climbing it gives excitement about the climbing um it starts with them at the very bottom of base camp, uh, uh, the very the very first base camp. And yeah, it just makes me excited to read the book. Um, I also like chapter three because like on uh, chapter one and two, I thought it was like mostly like facts on the mountain, but then it um, in chapter three, it got into it like when they started actually climbing and when all the like, um, like the all the adventurous things happen. One of our listeners, McKenna, is really interested in the saddest part of this book, and we don't want to spoil anything for anybody, so we won't talk about the tragedy that we've been alluding to. But there is a big tragedy that takes place in this book later on. Um, and as, you know, as Andrew mentioned, the reason that John Krakauer chose to write this entire book. But instead of talking about a sad part of the book, what was a challenge that they had to face along the way? Uh, a big challenge was oxygen tanks, because when you're such high up in the mountain, the air becomes very thick, so you can't breathe it very well. Thin. Really thin. thin. Yeah. And then, so the air is hard to breathe, so they need oxygen tanks. And when they run out of oxygen tanks... Um, they have to like go down the mountain without oxygen, and that's very hard since it's it, it's hard to move without not that much oxygen. Um, one of our listeners, Kira, wants to know why did he want to do this, and why do you think anybody would want to do this? Since it's so risky, like you guys have been saying, what do you think the appeal is to climbing a tall mountain like Everest? Well, maybe um because of the experience, like you could tell people all about it and you could um, write an interesting book about it and have, and then just enjoy being with um, your client, uh, with your like friend climbers and have a good time. 
to add on to what you're saying, uh, there's a quote that stood out to me in the book, and I'm wondering if you guys could tell me your thoughts on it. So John Krakauer writes, Everest has always been a magnet for kooks, publicity seekers, hopeless romantics, and others with a shaky hold on reality. What kind of people is he saying are, are willing to undertake this kind of quest? Uh, like people that want like kind of fame and they want so they'd be like, no, like they climb Mount Everest and like, like they want to like do something big and like make it like clear that they climbed the tallest mountain in the world. I agree with that. And it's kind of you know, like there's some crazy people that want to do this. Like I'm pretty sure no one's parents would actually let them climb Mount Everest. Um, yeah, so it's basically the daredevils that want to be famous. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you guys personally see yourselves as the sort of people who would want to take on something insane like this? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, um, way too dangerous. I would never do it. And yeah, I don't want to, um, yeah, it's just too scary to think about. Well, um. Well, right now I wouldn't because there has been many people going on uh, Mount Everest and it's been like overcrowding. So many people have been like left there without any oxygen and then there's been more deaths this year. Um, Well, I, uh, with modern day technology, even though it's so good, I still wouldn't uh, try the climate because technology can't like, give you a better advantage of climbing in a mountain because technology can't like make the weather better. Like, like it's hard. It's still hard to do it, even though modern day technology. Um, Matthew alluded to the fact that Mount Everest has been in the news very recently, actually just a couple weeks ago from the time we're recording this podcast, there was a really iconic photo that came out of tons and tons of people in line to stand on the summit of Mount Everest why do you think that that's a problem that so many people are at the top from what you've read in the book? Well, um, maybe, well, since they probably want to be like known, they probably all want to get to the top of the mountain so that, um, and maybe since it's like a good year and it's like um, warm outside, maybe they just want to go out there and try it. Why would you encourage people to read this book, even though it might be difficult for people your age to read? Um, well, I would advise people to read this book because it just like tells you kind of the history. Like at some point in the book, it kind of tells you like, before each chapter, it kind of says a quote from someone that climbed Mount Everest. And it kind of just tells you like the history of like what happened on Mount Everest and like things that like tragic things that happened on Mount Everest. Um... Yeah, I agree with that. It's really, yeah, so before every single chapter, there's a quote from one person who climbed Mount Everest. Uh, most of them are not alive because, yeah. Um, yeah, so it really just shows you that. Yeah, a lot of people are willing to make sacrifices for this climb. Like you're saying, you know, many people who climbed it in the past are no longer with us, and some people attempted the journey and didn't make it. Um, how would you guys rate this book overall? Well, I'd probably give it a seven and a half to eight because um, I really liked it, but um, sometimes in some parts I didn't really understand it or there was, like, challenging words or things like that. 
Um, I would rate it eight out of nine. Like Matthew said, like it's challenging to read it because like at some points you don't know what they're talking about because it's just like some random word that you think is like an alien word or something. I would also rate it an eight with the advanced reading. Um, it just it, it's really hard to read. Um, and after a while, it got a little bit repetitive, but they finally snapped out of that after a while. A few of our listeners are wondering what other book you would recommend reading after someone finishes Into Thin Air. Um, well, I would, uh, haven't read this book, but I've heard it's pretty good. Into the Wild, it's the same author who wrote uh, Into Thin Air. And I've just heard it's like, uh, it's like Into Thin Air, but like, about, like, in the wild instead of on a mountain. Yeah, um, I um, heard about that book, too. I saw it in a library once, but I didn't decide to read it because I was um, really young, and it was a long book, so <laughs> I Any, chose Anything that. else you've read recently that you would uh, be interested to share with people? Not really. Um, Fish, Fish in a Tree is a great book. It's... Um, the whole class has read it. It's really good book. Awesome. Yeah, I would recommend Fish in a Tree because it's like super good and it has like things that you're not really expecting, and then it like pops out of nowhere, and then it is it's very exciting. Awesome. Well, we all recommend Into Thin Air. It's about climbing Mount Everest, a mountain that's. 38,000 feet tall. So if you want to read about that journey and see the tragedy that we're talking about. Oh, that? actually it's 29,000, not 38,000. Oh, you guys gave me the wrong facts on our piece of paper. Oh. No, no, no. no a, actually, a plane can fly 31 to 38. Oh, a plane flies 38,000. So it's almost as high as a plane. Um, well, I, yeah, sure. My apologies. Thank you for the, <laughs> the fast fact correct corrections. So if you want to read a book about climbing 29,000 feet specifically, um, and see the tragedy that we're talking about, we recommend Into Thin Air. Let's give a round of applause again for Matthew. Miles and Andrew.